Hello and welcome to the latest edition of China Inc. by Bamboo Works, where we discuss the latest business and financial news from China and what it all means. I'm Doug Young, Bamboo Works editor in chief, and I'm joined today by Renee Vangustine, one of our founding partners, who's also a longtime China watcher and former investment banker. Today we'll take a look at the latest on COVID in China, as well as a big boost for U.S.-listed China stocks on the regulatory front. We'll start with COVID, which has been the top China story the last three weeks, and will probably continue to dominate the China headlines for at least the next month or two. Uh, the big story, of course, is China's sudden decision to abandon zero COVID earlier this month and reopen for business. There are too many little developments to discuss them all here, but let's look at some of the bigger ones. So, Renee, one of the biggest COVID issues is when the virus will peak here in China and when things might start coming back to more normal conditions. What are your thoughts on that? Um, who knows? <laughs> really, that's a good、um, good answer. There are all kind there are all kinds of uh, uh, predictions out there.、Uh, as we all know, you know,、uh, it, it's going to depend on、uh, how many people. In China,、uh, have had COVID to some extent, and whether you start building、uh, crowd immunization、uh, just as a result of that. But although there are lots of people in China who are being infected or have been infected over the last few weeks, and it would be reasonable to expect that the numbers are going to continue to grow and probably pretty quickly. Um, there's really no way to、uh, to put a date、uh, on that. China has one billion four hundred million people. It's also a vastly、uh, you know diverse geographical environment. You get the big cities where obviously the virus is moving very quickly through the population,、uh, but then there's the rest of China、uh, where density of population and so on is not is not as high.、Mm. What do you? I mean,、uh, how about you know, just sort of return to more normal? I'm I'm here on the ground in Shanghai, and you know, surprisingly, a lot of the shops are actually still open, and and people are still working, but they're certainly running short on staff, and that's actually what's causing a lot of places to to close rather than you know, government mandates or anything like that. I mean, when do you think is like the earliest maybe we might see? You know something resembling a, a more normal type life, maybe after Chinese New Year.、Um, will it take to the spring, or any any ideas on that? Well, I think that、uh, I think that we're going to have to see what happens over the coming weeks, and especially、uh, before Chinese New Year.、Um, if you if you look at Chinese New Year, we have about a month. To go, the virus has been working、uh, itself through the population now for a good two weeks at least. The,、um, uh, you know, you're talking about Shanghai. I know that in Beijing also,、uh, you know, certain things are open. So from that standpoint, it's kind of like going back to normal. But, but the other aspect to it is that. People are not really going out unless they're going to work because they have to go to work,、uh, but they're not really going out socializing or returning to、uh, normal life yet. And I think that that's that's a natural phenomenon. Very clearly, 
people have been conditioned uh, for quite a long time to be f afraid and, and in certain cases to be very afraid of the virus. And therefore, they're staying put once again, unless they have to go to work. And obviously, in China, you have uh, certain considerations with respect to work, which is that if people don't get to work, in a lot of cases, they don't get paid. So they don't they don't get money. So, um, I mean, this this aside, I think it's going to take a few weeks for the population in general to realize that the vast, vast majority of cases where people have COVID, they are inconvenienced, say, for three, four, five days, maybe a week. And then after that, uh, they're perfectly fine. And I think that when, when this there will have been a long enough period of time where people get used to the fact that you get it, you're kind of okay. Uh, it's like a bad flu or maybe a bit worse, but eventually you're okay and life goes on. Then I think people are going to start feeling more comfortable to um, start you know, going out again and, and resuming a normal life. I'm sure a lot of people would like to be at that stage before Chinese New Year so that you know they can go about reuniting with their families and so on. That's what I think needs to happen. The fear factor needs to be um, lowered a lot. Okay. All right. So there's still maybe hope by Chinese New Year. But how about on the, since many of our listeners are non-Chinese, another big question that, you know, for people like me and you is, is when China may reopen to foreigners. I know you used to travel in China all the time, and you haven't been here for almost three years now. Uh, any right. any thoughts on how that might unfold? I think that it will unfold slowly, and I think through stages. Um, I think it's going to be quite a while before China fully reopens to the world to the extent that foreigners uh, are able to travel to China and spend time there for what I would call non-essential activities, being primarily tourism. I think that they will start, first of all, with business people, uh, especially as China needs to rebuild economic growth. And I would expect that even with respect to foreign business people, they will probably start slowly and then gradually um, expand to just about anybody who has a good enough reason to be in China for business and therefore be given a visa to go. Um, there's, there's a little um, side to this, which is Hong Kong. And as you may know, Hong Kong has been pushing for a long, long time to open up the border and allow uh, Hong Kongese to um, travel to China within, without quarantine and all of that. They have had additional discussions very recently, actually, I think two days ago or yesterday, at the government level um, to try and make that happen. And once again, obviously, with, with a view uh, on uh, Chinese New Year, because so many people on either side of the border have relatives uh, on the other side. Uh, but there's no formal progress that has been announced. They have increased a little bit the quota of people who can cross the border every day. But that's just between basically Guangdong province and Hong Kong. 
primarily for family reunions, uh, as a lot of families are split over the border uh, and for business purposes. So I think that uh, as far as foreigners, if you want, as in non-Hong Kong residents are concerned, um, I expect it's going to be gradual starting with business people. Okay. One more question on the COVID topic, since it's so big, which is um, the, the at the biggest level in terms of economy, uh, we saw last week Morgan Stanley raised its economic growth forecast for China next year to 5.4% from their previous uh, forecast of 5%. Uh, do you think we're going to see lots of people following suit with that and and you know, sort of how do you see the economy moving next year as, as they open things up? I think we will see uh, other investment bank research institutes to, who will um, revise their numbers and revise the numbers upward, probably. I think partly because some of them will feel that they have to especially those that have substantial business in China. Also because China has uh, a demonstrated ability uh, when it is absolutely necessary to fuel economic growth through various means. Uh, and I think that the government will want to show that having abandoned COVID-0 uh, it is now fully focused on the economy and it is going to propel the economy. I think that in terms of stimulus and so on, it will be very different from some of the previous times, in part because the country cannot afford the same magnitude, in my opinion. Hmm. But uh, they will probably uh, resort to more uh, you know, infrastructure projects and so on, which China being China can usually be activated fairly quickly and start producing a GDP numbers. Right. I don't have a view on where it's going to go. It's not particularly important to me. What's much more important to me when I look at China these days is the uh, unemployment rate, and, and especially unemployment rate among young people. And I think that infrastructure spending and stimulus and so on, in my opinion, is not uh, these are not measures that do a lot to reduce youth unemployment in China. So that, I think, is, is, is a much more important uh, problem to watch going into 2023 and potentially 2024. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for that. Next, we're going to look at what can only really be characterized as a glowing review from the accounting arm of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission for the fledgling China-U.S. deal governing the, you know, the China-U.S. listed Chinese stocks, the Public Accounting Oversight Board said it was basically able to obtain full access to everything it wanted during some trial audits of U.S. listed Chinese companies between September and November in Hong Kong. Uh, obviously, you and I both follow these companies a lot uh, and, and the whole regulatory environment. Um, this has really got to be positive news for Chinese stocks. Uh, my first question to you is why do you think, I mean, the, the U.S. has always wanted this access, uh, but China hasn't always been so forthcoming. Why, why do you think China was so cooperative this time when they really haven't been nearly as friendly in the past in their work with the SEC? 
Well, Doug, first of all, I'm not sure I would call this a glowing review. Um, <laughs> oh, the, okay. um, I think that all that the PCAOB uh, did was to state the facts. Uh, and yes, they did say that uh, they went to Hong Kong, they had access to the files, they had uh, unlimited access to the files, and they did their work and they came back. That's a statement of fact as far as I'm concerned, and that should have been, you know, kind of what happened all along. Hmm. Um, but then again, yes, it is a positive development. Uh, it's a positive development for the Chinese uh, stocks that are listed in the U.S. There's absolutely no doubt about that. So I think that it's taken the whole issue um, of systemic risk off the table. And I think that now we're down to individual company risk, potentially, um, in as much as, obviously, Every company that will be audited at the choice of the PCAOB will obviously have to um, satisfy, uh, not just in terms of access to uh, the audit reports, but obviously I'm sure also in terms of the actual content of um, the financial numbers and so on, and any question that the, the PCAOB auditors may ask of any individual company. So time will tell. But yes, for now, it definitely is a positive development. Um, as to the reason why China agreed to this or allowed it to happen, I think that uh, the sheer number of Chinese companies listed in the US actually was the root of the problem and what put the Chinese government a little bit under pressure. You know, you can say Chinese companies can come back to China or Hong Kong. Um, that's, that's just one statement. Then there's a whole process, and then it takes a lot of time. If we go back to the period of 2015, 2016, when a very large number of Chinese companies who were then listed on U.S. stock exchanges decided to go private with a view to relist in China or in Hong Kong. The vast majority of those companies actually were never able to go back to the market, right. either in China or in Hong Kong. Uh, so, you know, looking at this, then uh, somebody had to make a choice as to, okay, we take 200 plus companies out of the U.S., and then what happens? You know, can we get them quickly relisted in China? And I think that uh, I think that the people who were looking at that regulators, government, and so on, realized that the answer was no. It's not possible for such a large number of companies to do it relatively quickly in conjunction with the specific listing rules and regulations on the Chinese stock exchanges and so on. And then you run the risk of having quite a large number of companies in, in total limbo, not having access to capital anymore and not being able to conduct business eventually for some of them at some point in time. Okay. Well, we didn't even get into you know, whether they'll continue cooperating, but uh, we'll save that topic for another day. Sorry, Doc. Just one yeah. quick point on that. Okay. We went away from systemic risk to, I think, what I would call individual company risk. And then one of the issues that still has not been resolved, and I think is still there, 
is the fact that some companies that are listed in the U.S. have, in parts of their businesses, have or potentially have data information that could be considered by the Chinese government as what everybody would call national secret, uh, especially when it comes to data. So uh, I think that still has to play out to some extent. I don't think this is the final word, but uh, yeah, it's off to a good start. Thanks for joining us this week. Um, In our next program, we're going to take a look at whether China could be set for a travel boom. And we'll also review the latest on TikTok. For those people who don't know, is the short video sensation that teens love, but U.S. politicians are less thrilled about. Hope to see you all then. Yeah. Uh, Goodbye for now.